We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back to the program. Lori Rubinson here with you. And the Jets and Giants finish out their preseason game part of the uh, preseason. But games are over. Now a lot of roster decisions are ahead and to talk about the Jets, the Giants, and uh, decisions ahead, we bring in Ryan Dunleavy from the New York Post, uh, covers the NFL. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Good, Laurie. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, uh, let's just start off, you know, kind of big picture here. I know the Jets, it looks like to open the season. Um, I'm going to make the assumption that Joe Flacco will be the starting quarterback early until Zach Wilson gets back. But should Jets fans be at all worried that here we had preseason game number three, and we know preseason games are, are yeah not important, but should Jets fans be worried that their starting offense was there under Flacco and managed – three points and two turnovers in four series versus what was mostly Giants backups. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, the we know New York football fans know this better than anybody, whether you're a Giants fan or a Jets fan. You really go as far as your offensive line. And while I think the, the Jets have a top five offensive line on paper, the guys haven't practiced together at all. I mean, Dwayne Brown just got in team period. His first day with pads was the joint practice with the Giants on Thursday. That was his first day in pads for their left tackle. And then Friday, their right tackle, George Fant, had a veteran rest day. So, like, you could say that their starting five offensive linemen have been in team periods together one day so far. And training camp's now over. So one day for all of training camp. So, yes, that would concern me. Like, is it five stars sound the alarm? No, but... I wasn't surprised that they struggled because played together. And all we hear about all the time is gel cohesiveness. And then there's been this pie in the sky theory, like, Oh, what if they start two and O behind Joe Flacco, a former Super Bowl MVP, they were all in four with Joe Flacco last year. So do I think he's like, you know, an O and four, they can't win with him quarterback. No, but I certainly don't think they're going to, jump out to this red-hot start, and we're going to have a Joe Flacco versus Zach Wilson quarterback controversy either. It, it always seemed a little pie in the sky that, Zach, that Joe Flacco was going to recapture his 2011 form here for the Jets. I mean, he's a backup quarterback you're trying to bide your time with so your starter's healthy. All right, so speaking still of the quarterbacks, though, uh, probably won't surprise you that we have some WFAN callers and listeners who are asking about Mike White. And, you know, I know Mike White looked fantastic at times last season, and then with a little more play, as sometimes happens, people get overexposed and, and, you know, kind of regress to the mean. But Mike White, 13 of 17 in the game, two touchdowns. I understand, you know, playing with backups, against backups, and all that sort of thing. But what would you say to Jets fans who say, you know what? Is Mike White a better choice to be the Jets' interim starting quarterback over Flacco? I would say probably not, but 
you're, I can't tell you you're definitely wrong. Mike White's an enigma, right? So, mm-hmm. like, it's possible he is. Like, if you're going to get the guy who played against the Bengals, then, yeah, he definitely is. He should be starting over Zach Wilson if you're getting that guy. But then, you know, everybody likes to forget he uh, threw, had a four-interception game against the Bills, too. Right. So if you're, if you're getting that guy, he's going to lose you a close game. And I think what most quarterbacks, what most head coaches, excuse me, especially defensive-minded ones like Robert Sala, want to do with their backup quarterback is stay in the game, play mistake-free, win with smarts and execution and defense and special teams, and steal a 17-14 victory. And that's what most defensive-minded head coaches want to do with their backup, and that's Joe Flacco. That's not Mike White, who could, you know, throw four touchdowns or throw four picks. Now, finally, on the quarterback roster for the Jets, there is the legend of Chris Strebler, <laughs> and he, uh, he strikes again, and with 22 seconds left in the game, propels the Jets to victory in the Snoopy Bowl. And so... um. Jets can't keep four quarterbacks. So what's going to happen to Strebler? Has he he's shown enough that you think he might stick on someone else's roster? The problem is he'll have to be on their 53-man roster. Like they, If the Jets want to sign him to the practice squad, which I think they do, I think he'll probably sign with the Jets because he now knows the offense. And then once he's on their practice squad for somebody to poach him, they'd have to put him on their 53. You can't poach practice squad to practice squad. So I think he probably ends up on the Jets practice squad unless he goes a different route right from the jump after he gets cut and chooses a different practice squad off the bat. But that would be risky because he's had some success here. I think he probably ends up on their practice squad. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe he's the Mike White for next year. You know, Maybe he moves up. He spends this season learning the offense, and then who knows? Flacco's gone. Who knows? White's gone. Maybe he's competing for the number two job next year. I think that's probably his safest bet, but I did get a chuckle, Lori, out of last year. It was like, well, as we watched the Giants struggle with Glennon and Fromm, and we were like, well, there's not really 32 good quarterbacks in the NFL watching that Davis-Webb-Strebler shootout in the fourth quarter. It was like, oh, see, there really are backup quarterbacks that can play. Right. Uh, you're absolutely right. With the, I, I thought once Daniel Jones went down last year, the Giants' offense without him um, was right up there with the worst offenses of NFL history. I mean, it just showed you how horrific, horrific it was um, without him. So, yeah, at least we're watching competent backups here that make it a little bit fun. Um, before we get to some Giant talk, I want to stick with the Jets a little bit, though, and one of the big stories, of course, with the Jets, Denzel Mims, their wide receiver who, um, you know, his agent requested, we all know the story, his agent requested a trade for him this past week. They came out and said it. He obviously hasn't been happy. They think that he should be a, you know, starting caliber NFL wide receiver. And, you know, there he was on Sunday, seven catches, 102 yards, a touchdown, and the you know looked terrific. But we have not consistently seen that player with the Jets, and now they've invested a lot ahead of him. So what's the most likely outcome that you envision happening with this Denzel Mims situation? The most likely, I would say, is they trade him for a day three pick, probably tomorrow, maybe early Tuesday. Uh, that to me is the most likely scenario. He's not invaluable. So like 
for them to cut him would be giving away an asset that a lot of teams would claim. So I would think that one of the teams interested in who's not at the top of the waiver order is going to say he's not going to make it to us. Let's offer the Jets a day three draft, a, a fifth rounder, a sixth rounder, what a fifth and a conditional six, something like that. Like that would be my guess as to most likely what happens. I don't see them cutting him. Although I will say, listening to Coach Salah on Friday and then listening to Joe Douglas on your radio station with Carton and Roberts, they were doing their best posture and saying he's one of our best 53. Well, he is one of your best 53, but here's a problem. You don't keep 10 receivers, so it doesn't matter if he's one of your best 53. Is he one of your best five or six receivers? He, he's right on that border. I mean, we know their top four is pretty good with, uh, you know, Barrios included there with the big three. And then Jeff Smith had a touchdown today. He's, you know, played for a while. He's been ahead of names in camp. So he's probably no better than your sixth receiver. And he's not, and he's not a big special teams contributor. That's usually what your sixth receiver is. So it doesn't matter if he's one of your best 53. It's, is he one of your best six? Yeah. Is there a calculus that they do in their heads, which is you see the talent and there's a reason, obviously they drafted him and, you see the talent, seven catches, 102 yards, and the touchdown and the body control on that, all of that. But is based on all of the conversations, is he too much of a distraction? Even if he is, you know, call it, if the Jets believe he's a, a top five wide receiver for them, is he too much of a distraction at this point to keep? Uh, I mean, look, he came out and practiced the other day. I mean, like like Salah said the other day, it's not I hate my teammates or I hate my coaches or I hate New York. It's I think I'm better than this. So in a way, I think that would be attractive to other teams. He's not whining about you know his situation. He wants to play more. He wants he wants he he thinks he deserves it. So I think it's a little different than guys who are like skipping practices or you know fighting about money. He's fighting to get on the field. So. Uh, is it a distraction? Probably. Like I said, they don't want to say it is, but it probably is. And I think he's attractive enough to some team. Like the Falcons just had joint practices with the Jets last week. Their receivers might be the worst in the NFL. So why would they not flip like a sixth round draft pick for a guy who they might be able to, you know, give the Mariota a chance this year and give their next quarterback next year a chance? To me, like, that's a team that should make a move for Denzel Mims. Talking to Ryan Dunleavy of The Post about uh, the Giants and Jets. And so we're talking Jets. This past week, as you said, you mentioned joint practice, Giants and Jets uh, joint practice. Give me one takeaway that you had from joint practices, which at this point we hear from NFL coaches are more important, really, than even the preseason games. What was one takeaway uh, that you had from the Jets from joint practice and one takeaway that you had from the Giants from joint practices? Uh, for On the Giants side, it was how sharp Daniel Jones looked. He has not had a good summer. I thought he by far had his best day of training camp against the Jets. I, I forget. I, I, marked, I think he was 14 of 15 or 15 of 16. He threw an interception on a ball that Kenny Galladay basically got pushed to the ground. So you don't even know if it was really his fault. You'd like to see Kenny win that battle with his strength and his height. Uh, but otherwise, it was a near-perfect day. Now, look, it was a lot of short and intermediate stuff, but I think that's what the Giants offense is going to be. So uh, Daniel's accuracy, and I think that's part of why he didn't play today, is I think they were like, let's go into the let's go into the season off that. Let's give the kid who you know, had this rough road some confidence. 
going into the season. So I thought Daniel was real lights out. And then from the Jets, I just, I, I like their line. I mean, I, I just like their defensive front so much. I thought in one-on-ones, they, they won. Those are like one of the highlights of joint practices is when you have an offensive lineman, defensive lineman going at it one-on-one. I just think their guys are really hard to block, whether it's Franklin Myers or Lawson or um, uh, Rankins or, uh, I'm missing the Quinn, guy. I'm, Quinn, Quinn and Williams. Quinn and Williams. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, they, I just think they have so many guys who are yeah. so hard, so many guys who are so hard to block on yep. the defensive line. Even for guys like Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, Feliciano, for uh, the offensive line for the Giants, that's much better than Spin. I think they still have a hard time blocking the Jets. All right. So let's pivot to, we've talked some Jets. Let's, let's pivot to the Giants. And you mentioned that offensive line, obviously not playing in the game on, on Sunday, but in practices, getting pushed around by the the Jets have, a, as you said, a terrific defensive line. But Giants' offensive line, with all the injuries, hasn't had that much chance also to play together. Um, what you know? What were you seeing? Are you seeing improvement? Is that a you know a step up with guys? Whether it's Glowinski, Feliciano, drafted Neil, a step up in talent, and is there a noticeable? Um, improvement just in the coaching in, you know, over the last few years, the Giants, it just seems like every time a team runs a stunt against them, they just look absolutely baffled. Does it seem like somehow the coaching is taking a little better? It's hard for me to say that. I mean, like Mark Colombo played in this league for 10 years and coached with the Cowboys who had one of the best offensive lines and uh, you know, Hal Hunter, one of the previous offensive line coaches, was a 35-year offensive line. It's hard for me to believe they didn't know how to coach against the stunt. Like, oh, they knew how to coach it, but for some reason it didn't take. Well, I think the players weren't very good. Like, I just think that's what we know is the Giants' offensive line, they weren't very good. They just couldn't do that. They weren't athletic enough. They, it was, the, the coaching wasn't sinking in. They'll answer your question. I think they had better players, and I think really where it showed up yeah, we'll see, I guess, when teams start throwing fancy stunts at them in pass protection. But in run defense, I think they're a much better – they're getting much better push. They're moving the line forward. And, that's, I mean, I know Saquon Barkley is excited about it. This is a line that looks like they can move some people off the, off the ball. And, you know, fourth and ones have been a disaster. Third and ones have been a disaster for the Giants since Brandon Jacobs retired. So I think this is a line – that could move the ball, and instead of third and ten, you might see third and four, and then it gives your offense a better chance to survive. You mentioned the you know running the ball better. Um, the running back behind Saquon Barkley, the running back depth chart to me is one of the more interesting situations with the Giants. Who do you think makes the roster at backup running back for the Giants? Good question. I think Brieda will make it. I think Antonio Williams will make it. Uh, but Gary Brightwell's a former draft pick, not by this regime. He, he's in the mix. Uh, Jay Sean Corbin, the rookie, undrafted rookie from Iowa, from Florida State, had a really nice camp. Who know if you try to cut him, maybe there's some other team that wants him that wanted him as an undrafted rookie and didn't get him. So I think there's some depth there. Williams, I thought had Williams, I thought had the best camp of all the backups, and then Brieda obviously has the experience. And to go back to my larger point, Lori, this is something I wanted to say. People have been making such a big deal. Oh, Saquon's running with more power. Saquon's putting his foot in the ground this training camp. I really, honestly, Lori, I think it is, it's as simple as this. I don't think Saquon changes running style. I, I think the offensive line is getting pushed. 
and he's not having to make a cut as soon as he takes the ball. And then we're like, oh, why does he move laterally? Well, he moves laterally because he's getting the ball as soon he's with a defender in his face. He's running up the middle because there's not a guy in his face up the middle. I really think it's that simple. Yeah, and when the offense is pathetic, I think he was trying to do too much, trying to hit a home run for an offense that was dreadful. Um, and then, and then of course, he was frequently injured. Um, all right, so we talked about Denzel Mims as the unhappy wide receiver for the Jets. For the Giants, there's Kenny Galladay. And we know the contract is, is atrocious. It's not tradable. Um, given the salary cap situation, you really – you know, you really can't cut him right now because it's 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 worse off financially. So, well, let's start with what what message do you think Brian Dayball was sending, if any, by playing Kenny Galladay in this third preseason game when almost all of the other starting Giants offensive players were not starting? Oh, I think it was definitely a message. I think it was definitely a message of, we need more out of you, whether it's effort or production. You're not where we want you to be, so you're going to play this game. Like, I think that was the definite, clear message. You're right. The salary cap hit is actually worse if they cut him than if they leave him on the team. So I fully expect him to be on the team, despite that vague answer that Dayball gave earlier today um, about everybody. It's a competitive room. I certainly think Galladay will be on the team. The question is, is if he's unproductive, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks in, do the does this regime have the guts or the uh, chutzpah to to bench him, to reduce his role, to say you're not our you know, you're not a sixty staff receiver anymore. You're in a rotation. You're really the number three or four receiver. You're not the number one receiver. We don't care how much you make. If he's struggling, do they reduce his role or do they force feed him? I think they have to reduce the role if he's struggling and because those, those are those interesting things where a new head coach loses his locker room if you don't. So you worry about that player and finances, but you also have to make sure you don't lose the locker room. So it'll be interesting to see how they play that. All right, last before I let you go, what would be a successful season for the Jets and what would be a successful season for the Giants? And you can give me a one-loss record or you can give me – a big picture sort of accomplishment of, of what these teams need to do. Jets is easier. Jets is playoff contention. And I'm not saying make the playoffs. I'm saying to borrow John Mara's line from across town, meaningful games in December, whether I think, look, I think the Jets would make the playoffs in the NFC. Yep. The problem, the problem is there's 10 good teams yeah. in the AFC. They're probably number 11 and their schedule's brutal and they yep. don't play a team they can definitely beat until probably like week 11 with the Bears. So playoff contention, eight and nine playing meaningful games, I think is a uh, successful season for the Jets. And then for the Giants, really there's a couple ways you could go. Um, they could beat up on a lot of really bad teams and inflate their – they play probably, including them, there's probably seven really bad teams in the NFL, and they play the other six, the Falcons, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Bears, the Seahawks. So they could inflate their record, and we could be talking about a seven-win team, and then that's success. I don't care who you beat. And then the other way is you could just answer your quarterback question, and you could tell me that's a successful season, even if you're 3-14. and 14. Okay, we know 
we know we don't have Daniel Jones. We either we know we don't have or we do have Saquon Barkley. He was great or he wasn't. Like you get roster clarity is to me a is a different way to define a successful season for the Giants. Is you're going into next year with salary cap money and you know exactly who's on your team and who's not. All right. Uh Two different directions, you know, for these franchises. The Giants really at the earlier stages of their rebuild and the Jets a little further ahead. It depends on what happens at the quarterback position. Um, Ryan Dunleavy from the New York Post. Excellent stuff. Appreciate the knowledge tonight, and uh, it's been fun. We'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good, Lori. Thanks. All right. Quick break. We'll be right back.